the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to ask ourselves a question today, a very simple question. Um, what is this pandemic doing to us? Is it making us better, or is it making us bitter? That's the question. I've just finished reading a book by someone called Robin Amos, and um, it's called Views from Mount Athos. And he was an Englishman who visited uh, Mount Athos over 60 times between 1982 and 2013, and then he died in 2014. So over that 30-year period, he visited Mount Athos 60 times or more. And he became recognized as a synagogist. Have you ever, do you know what a synagogist is? I didn't until I read the book. And um, there, in the back, in the appendix, there's his certificate of, of being a synagogist. Uh, on behalf of our entire brotherhood of the monastery, we are issuing a document recognizing Henry Robin Amos, an English Orthodox Christian known by the name of Georgios, passport number 754517, designating him as a synagogist, um, in brackets, fellow worker and equal to the monks and ask that he be given free access, both coming and going out of the mount, the holy mountain. This is issued from the entire community or brotherhood of the monastery of Gregorio. So he was a very special man in a way. He visited Mount Athos a lot of times and he was accepted as equal to the monks. And one thing that he experienced when he went to Mount Athos was what he called um, the waters of bitterness. And he experienced this um, most times and had to learn how to deal with it. And he, he tells us in his book of one occasion when this occurred to him. He arrived, I think, um, and there was nowhere to go straight away, so he had to book into a hotel, and he did. And he booked into the hotel in the room that he was given. There were six um, metal beds. There was nothing on the walls apart from a couple of postcards tacked on, and there was no television, no bar, fridge, nothing. Just somewhere to sleep. And the person who showed him to the room said, just like the monasteries. And what he began to realize was that in our Western lives, we are constantly distracted by various things. It might be the television, it might be uh, music, might be traveling, might be work, anything. And we very, very rarely find ourselves in a place like that on Mount Athos, where you're all alone with yourself. And he began to realize that he didn't really know who he was. And also he began to realize that uh, he was forgetting to be aware of God being with him. And this caused what he called in his life the waters of bitterness. And he had to learn to deal with it. Now, we're probably going through something similar with this um, COVID pandemic um, because we can't travel anywhere, not more than 5Ks or 10Ks now in Melbourne. Um, we can't go to the cinema. We can't go to the restaurants. Um, we um, can't have parties and so on. We can't go shopping everywhere that we'd like to go. So the distractions are taken away from us. And some people 
finding this quite difficult, very difficult, in fact, and the government is pouring money into helping people with their mentor, mental health and everything because they're finding they don't really know themselves, they don't like being on their own, and they're not aware of God, God's presence in their lives. They're experiencing a well of bitter waters. The fathers talked about this a long time ago. And every monastic who goes to Mount Athos experiences this as he withdraws from the busyness of the world and goes apart to the solitude of the monasteries. What's the solution to this well of bitter waters? Do we just have to grit our teeth and bear it? No, there is a medicine. And St. Gregory of Nyssa, who lived in the 4th century, he talked about it then, uh, that there is a medicine for this dis-ease, which sweetens the bitterness. And the basis of his thinking is actually found in the reading, the first reading for the Vesper service for this commemoration of the elevation of the Holy Cross. And it's from Exodus 15, uh, verses 22 to 27. And when we read this, we see that the children of Israel have been through ten plagues with the Egyptians. They didn't suffer from the same uh, consequences. Um, but then they were able to uh, pillage the Egyptians, leave, even though they were being chased by Pharaoh's army. God opened the Red Sea for them to walk across on land and they got safely to the other side and their waters closed again. And then they have the Song of Miriam rejoicing with their sort of being saved. And then... They walked three days into the wilderness, into the wilderness of Shur, we're told. And they came to a place which is called Mara, M-A-R-A-H. And it says there, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, Moses named that place Bitterness. Then we're told the people complained against Moses, saying, what should we drink? Notice they didn't complain to Moses, they complained against him. And I have it on good authority that where it says here that they were bitter, it's not talking about the water, actually. It's talking about the people. They were bitter. They'd come out of Egypt where they'd had many pleasures, even though they were slaves, they had plenty of food, uh, plenty of activity, plenty of things to distract them. They'd come across the Red Sea into the, into the wilderness and there was just the same kind of experience that the monastics experience on Mount Athos and that Robin Amos experienced when he went there those 60 times. That kind of bitterness, the um, lack of distraction, um, not really liking being with themselves, um, not being aware of God's presence, even though he's just delivered them from uh, a terrible situation. And they complained against Moses.
we find ourselves in a bad place at the moment. And some people are in a very bad place. If you saw the news last night, you'll see about the, um, the people who are demonstrating against the lockdowns. And not only is there a bitterness there, there's an anger there. They're fighting with the police. Got 10 policemen put in hospital yesterday with injuries. There shouldn't be. Um, but it is. People aren't coping with our current circumstances. What about us? Are we becoming better through this pandemic or are we becoming bitter? When Moses cried out to the Lord, we're told that the Lord showed him a tree and he cast the tree into the water and the waters were made sweet. And Gregory of Nyssa actually comments on this in his commentary on the life of Moses. And he says this about Exodus 15. He said, The text corresponds to what actually happens when a man has given up the Egyptian pleasures to which he had been enslaved before crossing the water. And here, of course, he's talking about those of us who come out of the world, become Christian, are baptized, and then come into the Christian faith. And suddenly we find there's a whole lot of things we can't do because they're not what God's holy people do anymore. We don't have as many pleasures as we might have had in the past. And of course, we've got this problem now with COVID. We haven't got those pleasures and activities to keep us occupied. So um, St. Gregory goes on to say, his life seems at first bitter and disagreeable now that his pleasures have been taken away. But once the wood is cast into the waters, that is, once he unites himself to the mystery of the resurrection, which had its beginning in the wood of the cross, then the life of virtue becomes sweeter and more refreshing. And all the sweetness that makes the senses tingle and pleasure because it has been seasoned, uh, sorry, it's, it's more refreshing than all the sweetness that makes the senses tingle with pleasure because it has see, been seasoned by our hope of things to come. That was St. Gregory of Nyssa. Two people went from the same town to see their spiritual father. He called them in, he wanted to see them. And he asked them both to give them a report of uh, what was happening in the town. And the first one gave a good report. He said, the young people are trying very hard. It's difficult, but they're doing their best. And they're um, attending to their prayers as best they can. And all seems to be well. And the spiritual father gave him many blessings and sent him on his way. The second person came in and he asked the same question. How is everything in the town and the second person uh, gave a bad report. He said, oh, the youth, they're hopeless. They're not really making a much of an effort. They're failing to do their prayers. Very negative. And the, the, um, the spiritual father sent him away without a blessing. And he said, the second person said, but this is not fair. You sent the first person away with a blessing. And he just told you a lot of things through rose-colored glasses. And I'm telling you the truth the way I see it, reality. And the spiritual father said to him, look, he said, I know what's going on in the town. 
I don't really, didn't really call you in to ask you what's going on in the town. I called you in to find out what's going on in your soul. So one was, had refreshment and sweetness. The other had bitterness and anger and frustration. Same situation. Different responses. What's going on in us? Are we getting better? Or are we getting bitter? In the story in the Exodus, they couldn't drink the waters because they were bitter. The water tasted like their mood. How about us? What's our mood? How do the waters taste? There's a wonderful children's story about a little bird who, uh, wherever he, whoever he met, there was a terrible smell. Wherever he went, ah, oh, terrible smell. So he flew all around the world looking for a place where there was no smell. And he couldn't find anybody who didn't smell. He couldn't find anywhere that didn't smell. And then somebody pointed out to him, you've got a bit of garbage stuck on the end of your beak. So wherever you go, you take it with you. And that's sometimes what happens with us as well. What we see, what we smell, depends on us, not on what is in the world. At Mara, the, the problem was not with the water. It was with the people's souls. The solution, the wood, to be thrown into those waters. The cross is that wood. And it sweetens the water. How does it do this? How does it do this? Well, um, the cross is a symbol of God's love. And even though we're in a difficult situation and we're locked down and we can't go anywhere, can't do much, we can always look at the cross and be reminded that God loves us, that God is love, that he has a plan, that he's working out his purposes, uh, that what has happened is not something that's happened by chance. You remember when Jesus stood before Pilate in the gospel today and Pilate said, I've got authority to crucify you. And Jesus said to him, you would have no authority if God hadn't given it to you. So God has allowed what's happening to us at the moment to happen. I don't know why. <laughs> I would rather he hadn't have. But he knows what he's doing and he's going to work out his purposes through all this. And we've got to make sure that he works out his purposes in us during this time and that we don't become bitter, but rather we become better. Um, I just recently read something which I hadn't read for quite a while and then I came across it again and I seem to have lost it. Oh, here it is. Um, about a, a, uh, a very um, obscure Swiss professor called Henri Amiel. He lived from 1821 to 1881, 60 years, and he was alive at the same time as Fyodor Dostoevsky was writing his books about the situation in Russia and so on. And he was just, a, as I said, an obscure Swiss professor. But all his life, from the age of 25 to the age of 59, 33, sorry, uh, 20, 
26 to 59, 33 years, he diaried, he journaled, he wrote in his diary. And this diary got published after he died by his friends. And it became uh, a bestseller in Europe. And some of the things he writes uh, really spoke to me. And uh, I'm going to pass them on to you today. He says this. It, in the important questions of life, we are always alone. Our deepest inner thoughts cannot be understood by others. The best part of the drama that goes on deep in our souls is a very sincere conversation between God and ourselves. He's talking about prayer, of course. And when we talk to God, what are we talking to him about? We can complain. We, uh, complain to God. Don't complain about him. You can put, complain to him. If you read the Psalms, you'll find that King David often complained to God about his circumstances. That's okay. But also, when you look through the Psalms, you will find there God's love all the way through it. I would really encourage you to read the Psalms every day if you're not already doing that. The Psalms are the prayer book of the church. And um, as you go through, look for the word, depending on which translation you're using, look for the word mercy, which is translated in more modern translations, loving kindness, merciful kindness, loyal love. And my favorite is committed love. You'll see it all the way through the Psalms. God loves us. And his love is higher than the heavens, wider than the oceans. And we need this reminder. And we know this is true because of the cross, the wood of the cross, which when thrown into our bitter waters makes them sweet. The world in which uh, Henri Amiel lived was uh, the European society of his time. It was a scene of strife, class struggle and injustice despite its facade of prosperity and order. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Uh, Emil thought that only one thing was needed, to be what we ought to be to accomplish our mission and our work. We have God in us. The only good any of us can bring about comes from the development of our intimate relationship with God whether it might influence a few people or a multitude, is none of our affair. We have to work on our own waters. Are they bitter or are we making them better? He goes on to say, it is the single soul, not government, not society, that brings humankind to a better place. So we can influence the world by working on our souls. It is the work within that imperceptibly changes the world without. Amiel says, the process of life should be the birth of a soul. This is the highest transformation. This is the development of our soul, making it better through our prayers, through our study of the scriptures. And this, he says, justifies our presence on earth. This is our calling and our virtue. When the soul matures, it bears its own miraculous harvest, the ability to see all things in God. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those who love God. We see the pandemic. Do we get bitter or do we get better? Because we understand that God is in control, working out his purposes. 
Secondly, to make one's own life a voyage toward the ideal. We can do this even in the pandemic. And thirdly, to live with composure and gratitude and sweetness and courage. And that's how he lived through his difficult days as well. It's the living out of the prayer said in so many ways, in so many tongues, by all people of all faiths. The prayer, your kingdom come. That's how we do it, by working on our souls, by working on the waters we find inside us, so that they're not bitter, but become better and better and better. May God help us to not be bitter, despite the difficult circumstances, but to work at becoming better and better and better in our souls. Now to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, be ascribed to almighty majesty, dominion and praise now and forever and to the ages of ages. Set up all.